Hello, my fellow that girls. My name is Shadeen. If you're new here and you don't know who I am, but if you're not new here, hey boo, missed you. I hope you've had an amazing holiday season and hopefully you're looking forward to the new year coming up. Um, but also I'm sorry if COVID ruined your New Year's Eve plans. I'm right there with you, but you know what? Keep smiling, I guess. <laughs> Um, hopefully you've enjoyed the last few episodes. I'm hoping that your journey to a better, happier, more confident you is going relatively smooth and I hope that you're progressing. I know that since I started this whole podcast nonsense, um, I felt more driven to like spend the extra time and energy on myself that I deserve to become a better individual, you know? Today's episode was supposed to be all about that girl's nutrition, but it's not anymore. I finished that outline for it, and I even tried recording it, but something about it just felt so forced. The thing is, I would have just posted it regardless because it has all the facts, but diet and nutrition is such a big part of the whole that girl trend, and I couldn't post it knowing that a lot of you were going to tune in just for that particular topic, and a lot of you might be sensitive around food, so I needed it to be perfect in every way, and it just it wasn't. Yeah, so that's why I changed the topic for this week. Um, I also wanted to make this particular episode because it's the end of the year and I feel like we're all so busy trying to meet deadlines and wrap up the year and be in like 4,000 different places at once and it's all just overwhelming. And when we get overwhelmed, we tend to lose sight of what's important at the end of the day. But you know, everyone has different priorities, so... Maybe it's family or friends. Maybe it's work. No judgment. It's whatever you deem to be important. That's all that matters. But what should be important to everyone, no matter your priorities, who you are, anything like that, is how we treat others. Today's episode is all about empathy towards each other. I know it's not in line with the that girl trend on social media, but just hear me out. The purpose of this podcast is to alter and expand that vision we have of that girl. And currently, that trend can be viewed as self-focused. But you know, nothing really wrong with that. It's good to prioritize yourself and work on your passions and your wants and needs. But caring about yourself shouldn't be at the expense of your love for others. Just like how loving others shouldn't be at the expense of your own well-being. You have to find that balance. That girl is more than just green juice and Pilates. That girl is a leader in inspiration and a beacon of light. The title of being that girl is a privilege, not a right. When you consider yourself that girl, you are setting an example for women everywhere. And yes, that means that you should take care of yourself and show others that self-care is vital. But that also means treating others with love, respect, and kindness. That girl loves others and expresses it in so many ways. So, in today's episode, we're going to talk about what you can do to show your friends, family, and strangers that you love them, you support them, and you wish them the best through good and bad times. But, as always, let's take a break for our sponsor. Okay, and we're back. So, today's episode topic of empathy is something that I'm very passionate about. I 100% know that the most attractive people I've ever met are those that care about others, not just themselves. And that girl is a very attractive individual. So by that logic, that means that that girl is very empathetic. First things first though, what is empathy? I know that some people get empathy confused with sympathy, but the two terms, while they sound similar, are quite different. Sympathy is a feeling of pity and sorrow for someone else through your own perspective. 
It's like saying, oh, poor you, and it can be seen as quite condescending. For example, think of someone comfortable in an upper socioeconomic class looking at someone struggling in a lower socioeconomic class. And instead of the person in the upper class understanding why the person in the lower class is struggling or how they must be feeling and all that, they just kind of look down on them and feel bad for them. That's it. But empathy is when you put yourself in the other person's shoes and understand why they're struggling and why they're feeling the way that they are. Empathy isn't condescending by any means because you're not looking at the individual from your own perspective and looking down on them. Instead, you're imagining yourself in their situation, in their boat, and you're feeling the feelings that they are and you're connecting on a level of sameness. By doing that, you make the person feel heard, understood, and validated. And that's all that anyone can ask for, you know? Sympathy focuses on the surface meaning of statements, while empathy is sensitive to nonverbal cues. So now that you know what empathy is, why is it important enough for a whole episode? In order to explain that, let me first explain to you the meaning of life, in my eyes at least. We spend the entirety of our existence trying to find our purpose, our reason for existing on this planet. And we all have different ideas, it's a beautiful thing. And maybe your idea is influenced by religion, by spirituality, by status, by wealth, whatever. But let me give you mine. Regardless of religion, beliefs, status, wealth, anything like that, I believe that the purpose of life is based on relationships. We're here to love each other, go through good and bad together, build memories together, take care of one another, and leave the world a better place for our successors. I believe that after we die, all we take with us to wherever we end up is our souls, not even our skin. We don't take our material possessions or even our beauty. And everything we leave behind disperses. Our money, our house, our clothes, our toys, whatever it is. Everything is left behind and given to whoever. It doesn't really matter. But the most important and the most lasting thing of us that is left behind is our legacy. And how other people remember our intentions. And the legacy that we leave behind relates to our relationship with family, with friends, acquaintances, strangers. And in order to build and nurture relationships, aka indulge in the meaning of life, then we must practice empathy. Even the that girl trend that we've been pushing for us to do with our relationships or others. The trend we're setting wants us to be the best versions of ourselves in order to be better friends, siblings, partners, kids, parents, and strangers. So how do we practice empathy? What can we do to show the world that we care? Are are we doing enough? There's a lot to unwind when it comes to the topic of empathy, but here's the magical part. A lot of this is learned through experience, learned through emotion. This is a topic you can't take notes on in a classroom. Living a life of love for yourself and for others is done through understanding emotions, what you have to offer, letting go of stereotypes and judgment, and just living to love as opposed to selfish, materialistic gain. A lot of words, I know, but this is truly a difficult topic because, as I said, this isn't a subject you learn in school or you can read a book on with set-in-stone answers. It's a journey. So, how do we practice empathy? If you're looking for ways to lead a more positive, empathetic, and compassionate life, we all express that through different outlets. However, I did make a list of seven habits that empathetic individuals try to incorporate into their daily lives. So the first thing that I wrote down was put yourself into another person's situation. Have you ever heard the saying, put yourself into another person's shoes and walk a mile? 
This saying means that if someone is confiding in you, something that's bringing them great stress or great pressure, but you're not sure how to even begin comforting them, just imagine that you were the one to be going through that. And don't just imagine that you're in the situation, but go further and imagine the impact that said situation would have on you. Imagine how you'd be impacted, how your loved ones would be impacted, your future, your past, your goals, your year, your personality, your emotions, your attitude, everything. Really understand where your friend is coming from before you say something stupid like, oh, you'll be okay, or don't be dramatic. That's so toxic and so counterproductive. Sometimes people just want to be heard, to be understood, and even if you're not in that situation, it's super helpful for you to connect and empathize with someone when you pretend that you are in their situation. The second thing is to be fully present with others. Don't multitask when someone is confiding in you, even if they're not confiding in you, but just chit-chatting. Be fully attentive. Put down the phone, make eye contact, you know, if you're not driving, obviously. Turn down the music, whatever. When you show someone that no matter what they're saying, big or small, that you're always ready to listen, even in a world where distractions are overwhelming, it shows that you are there for them, that you care and you genuinely want to know what's going on. The third thing is to ask questions. There's nothing more frustrating when you're trying to open up or be honest with someone and the responses are closed-ended, one-worded responses. By asking questions, you're showing the other person that you genuinely care about what they're saying, and so you're inviting them to share more. So if you're saying things like, oh, that sucks, or oh, that's normal, or even just changing the subject when someone begins to show that they're comfortable communicating something to you, that'll discourage them from ever talking to you again on that level and making them feel invalid. Instead, ask questions like, what happened? Are you okay? Is there anything I can do? Do you want advice or comfort? What are you feeling right now? And when you ask these questions, they'll definitely feel more comfortable to share what feels right to them. The fourth thing you can do is to follow the other person's pace in a conversation. Sometimes people have a bad habit of jumping to the end of a conversation before it's even begun. Like if someone says, oh, I just failed my exam, and you respond with, oh, that's bad, cheer up, and hopefully you'll pass the class. You completely end the conversation on a terrible note. First, the person might be feeling depressed, rejected, and a multitude of other things, so the more empathetic route to go is to understand how they're feeling first. Second, the person might not have even thought about failing the class, and you might have just put another bad thought into their head. Saying, hopefully you can pass a class, could have just reminded them of the uncertainty ahead. Instead, a good approach to the conversation would be asking the following questions. I'm sorry to hear that. What happened? How are you feeling now? What are your plans? Do you need help with studying? The fifth thing you can do is to validate. To validate someone's emotions means to recognize the importance of them and to let the person that's feeling them know that it's okay to be feeling the way that they are and that it's important. So for example, someone says, I feel so frustrated with Sarah. Acknowledging this feeling means to say, why are you frustrated? Or I'm sorry to hear that. What happened? But when you brush off or dismiss their emotions by saying something dumb like you're being overdramatic or chill out, what's the big deal? Or even just trying to avoid the topic altogether or say something irrelevant, you are not acknowledging or respecting their feelings at all. The sixth thing you can do is to tune in to nonverbal communication. Sometimes people have a hard time communicating emotions through words. It's not very uncommon. 
Maybe someone you love has been quieter than usual, more withdrawn, more irritable. Or maybe they tense up around certain people or under certain circumstances, or they avoid eye contact with others, or they picked up new nervous tics, or they stopped taking care of themselves like they used to. Be observant of your loved one's behaviors, because if you notice that they change, that could be their silent communication that something's wrong, but they just don't know how to say it. Take the signs and reach out. The seventh, and I feel like one of the most important things, is no judgment. Nothing kills opening up to someone faster than judgment. When someone comes up to you with the intention of opening up, but you judge the situation before the person's even gotten the chance to explain, that's one hell of a way to lose friends and trust. For example, if someone tells you they lost their job, and instead of asking what happened or if they're okay, you just assume they got fired because of poor performance, then you're completely shutting the door on that person. Same goes for judging the situation after. If you judge someone after they've opened up, say that a friend told you they've had a crush on someone and you don't think that person's attractive, so you judge your friend for their taste. You're shutting off that relationship. And how is that your business? They're talking to you about something personal and you judge them for something superficial. That happens a lot more than you think. So those are ways to express empathy through your daily life and just on a day-to-day basis. But maybe you want to be more proactive in your community and maybe you want to show people that you really care and want to do things and go out on a limb for others. And if you do, then I really respect that and I'm really grateful for you because we need people like that, you know? We need people who want to show empathy and want to be compassionate, not for brownie points or for credit, but for the sake of just being a good person and wanting the best for others, you know? That's just all the world needs at this point. We all need a little bit of extra empathy and a little bit of extra love. So if you're willing to do that, thank you and I love you. So I made a list of 10 ideas about how you can go out on a limb and maybe volunteer somewhere, do something nice for someone else. So if you have the time or if any of these sound good to you, try them, research it. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me. So the first thing that you can try out to kind of express empathy is to cook dinner at your local homeless shelter. I, I can't talk up or I can't say the name of this person because I didn't ask them for their permission to talk about them. Um, but someone that I love dearly is this person just exudes empathy. Everything that they do is for other people. And I don't think I've ever met a more selfless person in my life. And I can only ever aspire to be at this person's level. But this individual cooks two dinners a month for the homeless shelter, like the local homeless shelter, and doesn't talk about it ever. I mean, and never gives themselves credit for it. They just do it because they put themselves in these people's shoes. And they understand that their house isn't guaranteed. The food on their dinner table is not guaranteed. Nothing is set in stone. And they only hope that people will do the same for them. And I I don't know. I have so much love for this person. This person loves to cook. And they're very, very busy. But this person just goes out of their way every month, twice a month. And prepares this huge extravagant meal with pastas and breads and desserts and vegetables and salads and it doesn't need to be that extraordinary if you want to try this out but if you're looking if you're if you're into cooking and if you think that you have the time to take like maybe once a month to just cook a dinner for your local homeless shelter I know that 
it just would be so greatly appreciated. Um, you aren't guaranteed your next meal. You might think you are, but you're not. You're not guaranteed anything. And because a lot of people that you don't understand or you don't give the time of day who are homeless and who aren't as fortunate as you are, no one asks to be in that situation. And it could be anybody. That could be you next. And I hope to God not, but put yourself in their shoes. And sometimes you just miss mom's cooking or dad's cooking and you just crave a home-cooked meal so especially in the winter months it's cold and nothing would taste better than some home-cooked pasta or home-cooked soup or home-cooked bread so if this sounds appealing to you just reach out to your local homeless shelter i'm sure that there's something that you can do so the second thing on this list which is a personal favorite of mine is to volunteer at your local animal shelter I did this for about three years, and I even adopted two dogs from my particular shelter. One was free, but um, it's just such an incredible and eye-opening experience. I am so incredibly thankful for every minute that I had there. Um, that I loved it, and I feel like a lot of you guys would too. And if you want to do more than just volunteer, and if you're old enough and you have the money and the resources, maybe foster an animal. I mean, I know that every rescue or shelter that I've been to or have talked to, they've always said that they're looking for fosters. So if you can, reach out to your local rescue, to your local shelter, and see if they need a foster or if they need volunteers or van drivers or kennel cleaners, anything. It's honestly a really good experience, and I feel like everyone should try if they like that stuff because I had fun. So the third thing on this list is to donate books and clothing. I know that's pretty self-explanatory, so I'm not going to like go into it. But yeah, I guess check out your local Goodwill, your local Salvation Army, thrift shops, whatever. And instead of just tossing out your clothes, understand how lucky and privileged you are to be able to just buy clothes and think, oh, well, I'm tired of this, I don't need it anymore, and toss it out. Just don't toss it out. Someone else could use that. So yeah, just think twice, donate. Um, And I know a lot of public libraries might take your books, maybe private ones too. So talk to your libraries first, see if they do book drives. Um, If not, I'm pretty sure if shops take them. So yeah, instead of tossing out your old things, donate, give it a second life. So the fourth thing on this list is to work at a summer camp. And why did I do that? Anyway is to work at a summer camp and depending on where you are and how you go about it you can either volunteer or you could work as a summer camp counselor I just finished up my last year working as a summer camp counselor I did it for six years and the reason that it's on this list is because you if you are a summer camp counselor then you're creating core memories for kids and you are having a significant impact on the next generation we don't think about that but Kids remember a lot of things. I can think of a lot of the times where I was a kid and I remembered particular people's influences on me. And I'll never forget, one time, this is not, I'm not proud of this. I was at the summer camp thing and we were talking about Britney Spears and I called her like some name. I mean, it wasn't like a bad word, but it was a bad word for a kid, you know. And my counselor, instead of yelling at me, was saying, why we don't call people that because we wouldn't like it if people did that to us or people called us those names and we don't deserve it. And that really, it it might not seem like a lot, but as a kid, I went home shook to my core. I was like, oh my God, like she, she's so insightful. Like, wow. And little things like that, if you're a camp counselor and you correct a kid in a polite way and 
you show them that there's alternatives and yelling and things like that, you are showing kids compassion and maybe you're stopping cycles from generations of neglect or torment. And I don't really know where I'm going with this. I didn't really write down anything besides the list. I don't have any like bullet points for it. But what I'm trying to say is working as a camp counselor has more impact than you think. It's more than just wrangling kids together and making them eat food and babysitting them. It's influencing them and shaping them for the next school year and so on. So if you're looking, if you like kids and if you're looking to leave a good impact on someone, try being a camp counselor. It's rewarding in some aspects. It's it's stressful, but it's worth it. The fifth thing on this list is to look for philanthropic groups and opportunities at your college. If you're a college student or you're going to be in the next fall or spring semester, look for opportunities. I guarantee you that there's plenty of opportunity wherever you go. I know that if if you go to Virginia Tech, um, that's where I went, they had this huge festival, I think in the fall, yeah, in the fall semester, called Gobbler Fest. And this is where like 700 to 900 clubs would get together and form all these little booths back to back and they would just recruit people for their cause. There were uh, environmental coalitions, there was Greek life, there was medical communities, there were all these amazing things and the possibilities were absolutely endless. So I maybe maybe they don't have that at your college, maybe they don't have like a gobbler fest but there has to be a forum or something that you can go on and look for particular opportunities near you. The sixth thing on this list is to organize a collection drive. When I was at Virginia Tech, I was the leadership chair for an honor fraternity and we had to work together to organize a diaper and book drive as well as two non-perishable food drives. And until then, I really didn't realize how important collection drives were until I talked to the organizations that would be receiving the donations and then I was able to understand where the donations would be allocated. There are programs like Teen for Jeans, Operation Christmas Child, Meals on Wheels, Your Local Food Pantry, and more with incredible missions that help such a wide variety of people out of love and compassion, and it's truly inspiring. There are so many organizations in every community that are always looking to accept canned goods, baby supplies, hygiene products, animal supplies, and basic necessities. Organizing a drive is a fun way to get your friends and make a helpful contribution to your community. Just grab your friends, talk to your school or stores, ask for permission to set up a booth on their property, then collect donations. You can advertise on social media, public announcement boards, to school announcements, flyers, word of mouth, etc. Make it fun! And if you organize one, I will advertise it on the Instagram page because girls help girls out, you know what I mean? The seventh thing on here is if you have the financial resources, pay for someone's meal behind you in line, whether you're at the grocery store or a drive-thru, wherever. Um, I put this on here because I'll never forget, I was having a really rough day after school and it was just, everything felt like the end of the world. You know, we all have those days and I hardly ever get coffee. I I don't know why. I guess I don't really care for sugary drinks, like sugary coffees. So I guess make like black coffee with milk in it or something. But I was like, you know what? I deserve this coffee, okay? I deserve something sugary in my body right now. So I went to this drive-thru and I'm getting my coffee and the lady tells me somebody in front of you paid for you. 
And when I tell you, I ugly cried the whole way home. Like when I got home, my mom was like, oh my, are you okay? You've got mascara all up in your grill. I ugly cried. Okay, the one where you hiccup between them and you just, oh my gosh. It was such a sweet gesture that someone did out of the kindness of their heart. They didn't expect to thank you because they were gone after I got my order. They didn't do it. They didn't know who I was. They don't know anything about me. They don't know my life. They don't know if I was like, I'm speaking so fast. They don't know if I was having a good or a bad day. They were just doing it to be nice and because they want to and because they had the means to. And I'll never forget that. At that time, I just felt like the world was collapsing in on me and something so genuine and it might have been small for them, but it was so incredibly large for me. It was just such a big gesture and I still think about it like all the time and it just, you don't know what someone's going through. You don't know what's on someone's mind, how someone's day went. And I think about that a lot when I'm driving and I'm yelling at someone. I'm like, you suck at driving, but maybe they're having a bad day. And you don't know what someone's going through. So like, instead of being negative and counterproductive, counterbalance your negativity with a good thing. You know, if you yelled at someone in traffic, like I do, go and get someone a drink. Just something to think about. You know what I'm saying? The eighth thing on this list is to check out Habitat for Humanity. If you are someone that enjoys doing hands-on work, you should check out Habitat for Humanity, which is a nonprofit set up in the U.S. that has all these amazing opportunities to help build and repair homes with families and restore communities to their former glories or creating a new glory for them. And you can literally just go to their website and just type in your zip code and they'll tell you about all the opportunities in your area. It's such an incredible experience. There's all these programs. There's women build, youth programs, veteran build, home preservation, all these amazing things. And if building a home for your community or a local community sounds like something you're interested in, just go to their website. It's habitat.org. And there's something there for you probably. So check it out. The ninth thing that I put on here is to join Seven Cups of Tea as a listener. One problem that I feel like the U.S. really struggles with, I don't know about other countries, but I do know about this one, is we have a not-so-great healthcare system, meaning a lot of people go without therapy. And therapy, in my eyes, is non-negotiable. I think everyone should go to therapy at least once because whether you need it or not, I take that back, whether you think you need it or not, You will most likely learn something new about yourself, something incredible, and you also just have someone to talk to and confide in and just spill everything to without fear of judgment. And that's why I am talking about Seven Cups of Tea. So Seven Cups of Tea is an emotional online support service, and there are both listeners and, I don't know what the other word is, talkers, venters. I don't know. There's someone that listens and someone that speaks, and if you maybe want to be a therapist one day, or if you just feel like you want to talk to someone or be a listening ear to someone that needs it, you can actually join this website. It's seven cups, like with the number seven not spelled out, but sevencups.com where you can volunteer to become a listener, where you go through this two-step registration process where you complete this active listening course, and then you create a listener profile and you act as a, don't worry, you don't need to be licensed, but you act as a therapist for someone who needs it. So if you want to go into like social work, therapy, psychiatry one day, this is a great way to get started on your journey. Um, Yeah, I like it. And the 10th thing on here is to check out the website volunteermatch.org to find volunteer organizations and opportunities near you. 
if you don't know where to start on your philanthropic journey and you don't know how to express empathy and compassion for your community, there are so many resources you can go to and one of the best ones is volunteermatch.org. They have great opportunities for you. I found a lot of mine through there, but yeah, just give it a shot. Let me know if you find anything good. But yeah, that concludes our little tiny cute little list of ways you can be more active and empathetic in your community. So we've talked about how you can show empathy in your day-to-day life. And we talked about how you can show empathy through your actions in your community. But do you ever feel like you're not doing enough because I've been there and I'm still there? Growing up, I've always loved people and I credit my parents for that. My family has been through thick and thin together, but... No matter how difficult times got, the one thing that never faltered or weighed was our love for each other and for other people. My mom is very involved in a range of volunteer work and my family as a whole advocates for the autistic community and for bully breeds. But one thing I've always struggled with was guilt and the feeling of not doing enough. And I still struggle with this. There are times where I wake up and I feel this crushing weight of the world and the feeling that I'm running out of time. I feel like I have to pursue a career where I save the world in some way or another. And the worst part was that for a long time, I hid how I felt and how much anxiety feelings would cause me because I was embarrassed. I felt isolated because in a way, I was scared to tell anyone that I'm scared I'm not doing enough or I'm scared that I'm not going to be able to save anyone. Because I felt like if I said that, it would sound like I had this stupid savior complex or that I thought I was better than everyone else when, in reality, I was feeling like I was less than anyone else. But, after going to therapy, I realized that I am just an overwhelmed, anxious individual with excessive empathy. I love people, and I love animals, and I just love love. It's my favorite thing, but with love comes pain. It's hard to see people you love struggling, and it's even harder to see someone you don't know struggling, because you don't know what you can do. But here's the thing. Turns out, a lot of my friends and family feel this way too. We all want to save the world. We all want there to be no suffering and no pain for anyone, even if we don't know the ones struggling. We all feel guilty when we see someone struggling because that could be us or our loved ones, but for some weird, demented reason, we're lucky. But as the days go on and I keep trying to navigate my emotions and finding a much-needed balance, I have learned that there's a great chance I won't be saving the world. Uh, I won't end world hunger single-handedly. I won't end homelessness at the snap of my fingers. And it's not realistic to think that war won't happen. It's not that easy. And if I live my life crippled by that knowledge, I'll never accomplish anything. But then I realized, we've been looking at it all wrong. Sure, we can't change the world single-handedly. But if we continue to do what we can and care for the people we love, and live a life of helping your community and preach a positive message... And hopefully you can change at least one person's world and they can change another person's world and so on. If everyone lived their life by just being the best person they can be for the people around them and for doing what they can while trying to take care of themselves, the world would be a better place overall. I say this because I know a lot of you feel the same way, especially in today's age. There's so much turmoil and social injustice and environmental damage. It's easy to feel like we can't do anything, so there's no point. Or it's easy to feel like there's too much to do and it's just not possible. This generation, or Gen Z, is known for a lot of things. But one thing I'm very proud of is being especially caring towards the well-being of others. 
We've been burdened with the shambles of our planet and justice system due to decades of mistreatment from previous generations, but instead of being complacent, millions of us are fighting back and being proactive. We see the world as more than financial gain, and I take pride in that. Just try to live a life where your goal is to love yourself and love others. That being said, don't be naive. Not everyone has the same good intentions that you do, but don't let the bad intentions of others alter the good of yours. And don't stress about not being good enough. You could be doing a job that may seem like you have no impact on the world. And that's how I felt for a while when I worked in retail and in food service. But trust me, from someone who's been in retail and food service for like seven or eight years, your job matters. I formed relationships with people that I still hold close to my heart today from it. And I'm also certain that when I worked at a burger joint back in college, I had to have made a meal for a student that probably had a really shitty day. And... That milkshake might have just given them at least one good thing to be happy about. See, even if I didn't change their life, I might have changed their day. That's enough for me. What I'm trying to say is, do what you can. If everyone does their part to live a life of compassion towards each other, we'll make differences in each other's lives. And eventually, maybe the world. So I hope you learned something from today's episode or you took something away from it. Um... Reach out to a friend if you haven't in a while. Give someone a hug. Tell your family you love them. Pet your dog. Feed your fish. (laughs) Pursue something that you love and pursue something that someone else would love. I hope you go into the new year on a positive note. And I love you guys. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, please leave us a good review in the Apple Podcast Store. Um, if you guys hated it, DM me, please. The Instagram is at so you want to be that girl. And yeah, thank you guys for staying tuned. I love you all immensely. And I'll talk to you next year. <laughs> Bye.